0: I don't know if you can relate to this or if this is something that might strike you as odd, but I kind of like TV infomercials. I like watching them. And it's weird, huh? But the reason why is because they're pretty much all the same. And I'm fascinated by it's kinda of like the same script, regardless of what gadget is they're trying to sell you. It isn't almost always it's almost always a food thing or like a home improvement thing or, you know, this is gonna fix your life. Do you have this problem? Oh no. You know, what are we gonna do? kind of thing, and we have the solution and then they tell you what it is. And isn't it interesting? It's always nineteen ninety nine. Like, somebody was honest one day and said it actually costs $21, but you're like, nobody's going to buy it because it's not $19.99, so take a loss, it's $19.99. And what's funny to me is the way they all end. They all end pretty much the same way, right? They, you get to the end, and it's like, okay, can, can I watch anything else? And they kind of know you're thinking that way, and they tell you the same thing, every single one of them, almost without fail. I'm going to start it, you finish it, because I think you've seen it. But wait. There's more you did see it. It's fascinating, right? And it's like, oh, okay now. All right. Right? Now we're gonna give you two for the price of one. But wait, there's more. Like, wow, this is awesome. I still feel the same about it, but um, thanks for telling me. I kind of feel that way about this series. I, I feel an overwhelming sense of, but wait, there's more. And and I, I kind of feel that way. And I think you're going to join me in feeling that way, or at least see what I'm talking about. Like, for instance, and, and if, you, if you haven't caught up on this series, this is one of those, you're going to want to go back to our web or uh, app site. What's an app site? Our app or website. Yeah, right? And catch up on all of that, and that way you're up to speed. But in week one, we saw this, that sin entered the world, that Adam's fall affects us all, but... We do the same thing he did. We, we live the same ways he lived. Now we all fall, but that's not all. There's a solution coming. So right there, I feel, but wait, there's more. Because without that, it's pretty depressing. And then last week, we saw that God has a plan. God's plan is to fix this problem in three covenants. And these three covenants spell out the plot line, the theme of the entire Bible from beginning to end. Three agreements. And last week we saw the first covenant, the first agreement that he made with one man named Abraham. And I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless the whole world because of you. And after learning that together, I kind of felt this, that's it? Like, what's that got to do with me? But wait, there's more. You're supposed to finish that with me. Okay, and so today I can promise you, I can promise you that by the time we're done today, Everything inside of you is going to be like, oh, man, oh, man. And everything is going to want you to hear, but wait. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it. And we will see the more. I promise you, we will see the more before we're done in the next couple of weeks. But We've got a little bit more work to do on this end. In the next few moments, I want to cover about 1,500 years in history. Yeah, it won't take long, 1,500 years, just things fly by right before you know it. Let me put it up here. Where we left off last week, this guy named Abraham that God promised him, I'm going to give you so many descendants, they're going to n- number more than you can count, more than the stars, more than the sand of the sea, I mean, that, that's a lot of kids, that's a, that's a big family, and sure enough... About that time, Abraham had a son and then more children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and his descendants grew and grew and grew and grew. And eventually, there was this guy named Jacob. We've talked about this before. He had 12 sons. One of them was named Joseph. And through a series of amazing events, they end up in Egypt. And for 400 years, Abraham's descendants continued to multiply in Egypt. But for 400 years, they were slaves to the Egyptians until one day God chose a guy named Moses and said, hey, Moses. I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to lead my chosen people, the people that I promised Abraham, Abraham's family. You're a part of that, Moses, and I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, and I want you to lead them out. And through a supernatural series of events, we have what is called the Exodus, which, oddly enough, is found in the Old Testament book of Exodus. Exodus. Tracking with me so far, that last part was tricky. I get it. I get it. And then they get to the Red Sea. Oh, no, what are we going to do? You know, but wait, there's more. God's going to take them across the Red Sea, supernatural setting that I'm hoping God recorded the whole thing. And that's one of the events that I want to see on video when we get to heaven. Like, cue up Red Sea footage, and we're going to watch this and go, wow, this is so cool. Right? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just you you will one day. So it, really cool stuff. And they get to the other side of the Red Sea. I'm summarizing a lot. I told you it's 1,500 years. They get to this mountain called Mount Sinai. And it's Mount Sinai where God introduces the second agreement, the second covenant that he made with one nation, Israel, through Moses. Let me give you the summary Of this covenant. I mean, it's a big covenant. There's a lot of details, as you will see in just a moment. But here's the summary of the covenant, the second covenant that God made with Israel through Moses. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, what covenant? The second covenant, then you of all nations will be my treasured possession. In other words, we're going to have a special relationship. Things are going to go very well for you. You and I are going to get along just swimmingly. But you have to keep my commandments fully and do what I say. Now, here's what I think is fascinating. And part of it makes me want to go, go you, Israel. You Israelites, go, you guys. But, you know, knowing what we know now, looking back, you kind of shake your head and going, oh, my goodness. Look how they responded. The people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. Everything? Wait, 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 time out. You don't even know what's in the covenant yet. Like, you, you. You don't even know what the commandments are yet. Wait, 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 time out, time out. You you haven't read the fine print. And trust me, in the second covenant, there is a ton of fine print. And you're saying we will do everything? And yeah, history, we look back on it and we know they didn't even come close to doing everything. This would be a good time to hit kind of another pause button and let you know that as we talk about Israel, we need to understand that Israel represents us. We are not Israel. Israel is not us, but they stood in the place of humanity, representing all humanity in their relationship with God in the second covenant. God had to start with a man. Then God had to start with a people. And as he introduces his way to the world through the nation Israel, what Israel did is the same thing that we would have done because it's the same kinds of things we do. Obey me fully. They said, absolutely, we will do everything. And then we begin to see, not quite so much. A couple other details I want to give you right before we get into some more of the nitty-gritty of this second covenant. is that there's different names for this second covenant. There's different names. This covenant between God and Israel is often referred to as the law of Moses. The Mosaic law. It's called the Law and the Prophets. It's also called the Old Covenant because of what we're going to talk about in the next two weeks, which is the, the Third Covenant, which is called the New Covenant. In relationship to the New Covenant, this is the Old Covenant. And so there are all kinds of words to describe the Second Covenant God made between him and Israel through Moses, his servant. Understand that this covenant contains, you ready for this? 613 laws and commands. That's why it's so funny for them to say, yeah, we'll do everything. And they didn't even know, (laughs) 613. Really, that's special. Now, the good news is that uh, that does include the Ten Commandments. That includes the top ten, the first ten. So it's not like it's 623 because that would be too much. No, it's actually 603 plus the Ten Commandments. Or actually the Ten Commandments plus another 603 with a lot more fine print and detail. And the first five books of the Old Testament, if you're you're just looking, is pretty much the detail of that covenant and the rest of the whole Old Testament is pretty much Israel trying to figure out how to live out this covenant. quite interesting if you understand that. Now, as you get into the fine print, you'll you'll read this covenant and, and these laws and commands and you'll go, what? What? That's ridiculous. That's crazy. Who could do that? That's why? That doesn't make sense. And oh my goodness, that's awful. And oh, how sad. And ooh, wow, that would be hard. You're looking at all this stuff and it's almost so primitive, it's hard for us to get our minds around. So archaic. Even some of it is downright troubling. But please know this. As true as all that is to me and you, this second covenant was still a vast improvement to anything the world had known at that time. This second covenant and all of the details and all 613 laws still was a vast improvement to any government system that existed in that day and time. Let me give you one quick example. In this second covenant, women and children were given dignity. It brought dignity to women and children, which was a brand new thing for the ancient world because women had no value, children had no value, they were seen as property, but not in the second covenant. God began to help people and humanity see through Israel. No, men, women, children all stand equally before God. Here's another wrinkle. It brought dignity to slaves. said, so why do you bring that up? Here's why I bring that up, because for the last 400 years, the Israelites had been in slavery to the Egyptians. And so now there's a system that says you have to honor people because God made them. You honor people because they're creations of God. People are not property. And so that's just one, one. It was way ahead of its time, way ahead of its time, the second covenant. And it's so important for us to understand kind of the ins and outs, of what it was all about. Because if you don't, you'll be frustrated and you'll be confused. I've been frustrated and I was confused for many years. Now, listen, I don't know it all. I haven't figured it all out. I'm still learning. But the more and more I learn the things that I'm sharing with you today, the more value, the more meaning, and the more purpose I see and experience from this agreement that God made, this second covenant. So, let me give you a snapshot this covenant between God and Israel. It was, first of all, conditional. Conditional. Remember, we just read it. God says, if you obey me fully, then I will blah, blah, blah. If you do this, then I will do this, which the opposite is also true. And many times God said, but if you don't do this, then I won't do this. It's conditional. Basically, God wanted Israel. And through Israel, all of humanity, this is so important, all of humanity to self-discover that we couldn't hold up our end of the bargain. Because you know, Israel, man, they're chipper. They've been in slavery for 400 years. So we'll do everything you say, oh God. We're not in slavery anymore. So anything you say, we're we're on that. And then God teaches them and they can't do it. It It's kind of God's strategy to begin with. It was conditional, please know that. Secondly, it was an attempt to honor God on our own. Our being because Israel represents us. We're not Israel, they're not us, but they represent all humanity. And actually it was a failed attempt to honor God on their own. Here's why. Because nobody could keep all 613 of these things. I mean, I don't know about you, but number 492 gets me every time. I mean, I'm clicking right along and I'm like, oh, Oh, it's so close. I mean, even if you had a good day, a good week, a good run of weeks and a good month. And even if you had a banner year, you're still gonna fall short. And no amount of human effort and no amount of sacrifices. Hey, listen, in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about this whole sacrificing thing and why it's so important and why it was so important back then and why it's so significant that we don't have to do that anymore. We'll talk about that next week. But no amount of human effort on Israel's part and no amount of sacrifices could fix the problem that was endlessly and exhaustingly so our sin. The problem that started with Adam that we kind of picked up and go right along with. But you know what's interesting is that I, I think God had to let us try. It's, it's a failed attempt to honor God on our own, but I think God kind of saw, well, I got at least I got to let him try. Because if God had not let us try, you know, you know some of us, maybe not all of us, but some of us were like, hey, wait a second. Don't write me off. You didn't even give me a chance. Come on, God, you didn't even give a nation a chance to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Hey, we're pretty good. We're pretty smart. We got things figured out. I mean, we're not completely helpless. Come on, give us a shot. Okay, God gives us a shot. And we screw it up. Time after time after time. Thirdly, this second covenant is the backstory of the main story. It's the very, very, very significant, extremely important backstory of the main story. You guys know the backstory, the main story kind of stuff. You, you, you understand what that's like, right? Some of the best movies ever follow that plot. Some of your favorite movies probably. Where right out of the gate, you know, the movie starts and there's this scene that's happening and it's all fast and it's overwhelming and you're going, I, 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 I don't even know what happened. What happened? What happened? And you're asking all these questions and then the scene cuts to this serene, by the stream 10 years earlier, And you're like, oh, oh, they're going to take us back. They're going to take us back. And then the whole movie is getting you from 10 years earlier back up to that moment, that climactic scene that you saw at the beginning of the movie. And by the time you get back there and you see it again, and they always show you again, right? And then you see it play out with all of the backstory. You're like, oh, you know, mind blown. This is awesome. That's exactly what the second covenant is. I'm not kidding. It it adds color to the main story. It adds meaning to the main story. It adds even a deeper level of purpose to the main story and explanation of the main story. And what's the main story? I'm so glad you asked. It's Jesus. Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection is the main story. And the second covenant and the Old Testament is the important backstory for the main story. It's not the main story. That's very important. A lot of people want to make it the main story. Oh, what a tangled web we weave! When we start making what the meant to be the backstory, we make it the main story, and we'll see that it's not. But it is the backstory. And and one more thing. And this next part, I wish I would have learned this years and years and years ago. No one taught me. No one taught me this clearly. And and I want to do my part in making sure you understand this next one because this will reduce so much confusion and frustration. This second covenant between God and Israel was temporary. Temporary. Which means it was a means to a divine end. And the divine end was Jesus which means it had a purpose and a time limit. And now it's over because Jesus came and the purpose of the second covenant was to get us to the new thing that Jesus wanted to do, which we will talk about in the next two weeks, the last two weeks of this series. In fact, this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus, in one of his famous sermons, most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this about the second covenant. Now remember, sometimes it's referred to as the old covenant as well, and we'll see this in a minute. Do not think that I've come to abolish. Here he calls it, remember, the law and the prophets. He's talking about the Mosaic covenant, that second covenant. I didn't come to abolish it. I've not come to abolish it, no, I've come to fulfill it. I came to fulfill the law and the prophets, which means Jesus said, I came to accomplish it. I came to complete it. I came to end it. Jesus was saying, it ain't bad, it's just over. It had a purpose, and the purpose brought me here, and only Jesus could perfectly fulfill it. You know why? Because only Jesus was perfect. Imagine that. Jesus fulfilled all 613 of the laws. He never got one of them wrong. He got all 613 right. I, only God in the flesh could do that, and that's the whole point. And so Jesus came to do for us, as we will see next week, which we could not do for ourselves. Which, by the way, by the way, listen. This understanding gives so much power and so much meaning to some of Jesus' last words. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, right before he died, he uttered this sentence. Three words. It is finished. What we're realizing as it is finished means so much more than we could possibly imagine. It wasn't just, I finished my mission. I finished my assignment. My life now is over here on earth. No, 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 no. It's, it meant all of that and so much more, including the second covenant is now done. I perfected it. I fulfilled it. I completed it. We're getting ready for something new that I've been teaching about in the last three years, it is finished. And next week we will begin to see the new that Jesus was going to bring. The new that still is in effect for you and I today. And remember, remember when we saw that the first covenant, those of you that were here last week, the first covenant last week was eternal? This second covenant is temporary, temporary, temporary. Now the third one we will see next week is eternal. But this one in the middle had a time limit on it And Jesus brought it to its end. In fact, when the writer of Hebrews was writing about this new covenant that Jesus brought, this is what he said. By calling this covenant new, Jesus has made the first one. He's talking about Jesus. Has made the first one, the second covenant, the one we're talking about now, obsolete. Obsolete. It's like those clothes that some of you, that the 90s were a good decade for you. Obsolete. Let them go. And what was obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Take them to Goodwill. Right? The second covenant, listen very carefully. This is so important. Obsolete. Outdated because Jesus brought something new and timely. And if you don't get this and I don't get this, we create all kinds of problems for ourselves all right, let me stop right there. We're not done, but I'm going to stop there. Remember last week we got all these details and we had to stop at some point and say, okay, enough details. Now let's just simmer in this a little bit. Let's talk about this a little bit because we got some questions. Let's do the same thing. I think enough detail at this point, we'll pick up the storyline next week and talk about the new thing that Jesus brought that was in complete Oh, a different, different way to approach God than, than this covenant, because this covenant set up what Jesus was going to bring new. We'll get to that next week. But for right now, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to, I got some questions now. Okay, great. Right? It's conditional. It was a failed attempt to honor God. It was the backstory, the main story, and it's temporary. And Jesus and Jesus ended it. It is now obsolete and outdated. Man, I got some questions. And I'm talking about the kind of questions that make some people walk away from God, make some people walk away from church, maybe the reason why this is the first church you've ever been back to since you were a kid cuz this stuff didn't make sense. And it and it discourages so many Christians when they don't understand these things. So let's talk about some of these nagging questions. Like like this one. This one's just obvious to me. So what's with all the rules? What's with all the what's the 613 rules about then? What was all that about? All these things in the Old Testament. You know what I'm talking about. The stuff that your, your friends at work, they don't go to church, or they used to go to church way back, and they've just read some stuff on the Internet. right? You just know just enough to be dangerous, or maybe your brother-in-law, that really describes him, right? Knows just enough to be dangerous, right? He likes to really talk about all he knows. Well, what about this, and what about this? And let me tell you why well, I don't go to church. It's, a lot of times it has to do with these rules, like the dietary rules. You can eat this, but you can't eat this. And if you're going to eat this, you can only eat it on this day because if you eat it on this day, God's going to be upset at you. If you want God to be happy, you got to eat it on this way and you have to cook it like this. And then the clothing laws, you know, about you, know, you can wear this, but you can't wear this on that day. And on this day, after six o'clock, you have to wear this, but you can't wear this. And you don't ever wear this if it's got this kind of fabric and that kind of fabric mixed together. Oh no, that's a no-no. And so all of these things, now there's good reasons for all of those in the context, but us In today's world, looking back on that, going, what about that? What about that? What about that? What about that ritual? What about that ritual? Yeah, what about all that? All of that is bound up in this second covenant, this conditional, temporary covenant that Jesus came to end and complete so that he could bring something new. Now, it teaches us principles. We can gain principles from a lot of these things. In fact, did you know that all of the 10 commandments, the top 10, the first 10, all of them are restated or repeated in some way in the new covenant, all of them except one. And so there are some very important things that the second covenant teaches us about God and teaches us about life, but most of it is bound in that. You say, well, how do I know? How do I know what part is for today and how do I know what part is not? You come to the new covenant, which we will do in the next two weeks. And if it's carried over from the old covenant into the new covenant, it's for me and you today. If not, it's bound by that temporary system that Jesus came to put an end to. And you want to be careful. We'll talk about this in a couple of weeks. Not to mix and match. I'm going to take a little bit of this one. Yeah, God told Israel to do this on this special day. So we need to do this. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. So if it's in the Bible, we need to do it. Oh, we'll be careful with that. There's a lot of stuff in that second covenant that you don't want to be held accountable to. I can promise you. It's a good thing that Jesus came to bring something new. So that's that's the rules. But here's a couple other sticky ones. What's with all the killing? This is huge. I run into this one all the time. If I'm on a plane somewhere and somebody finds out I'm a pastor sitting next to me, which I try not to let happen. Right? You know, with my body language. Headphones down. (laughs) <laughs> that kind of thing you say well that's not being very yeah i know but anyway <laughs> but you're like hey what do you do I, i'm in public relations <laughs> it's true i do communication also true no but if it ever comes out you know that i'm a pastor it almost always goes to this i tell you what i don't like i tell you what i don't understand What's about all the killing? I thought God is love. I thought God is love. What's about all that killing in the Old Testament? Didn't it say, didn't it say thou shalt not kill? I mean, isn't that one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill? And then God has them go on all these conquests where all these innocent people, families, just like me and you, are, their lives are taken just so that Israel could have a land and government and all of that. What's up with that? And I look at them, I go, I don't know. Put my headphones on, I don't, I don't, I, I don't. Well, It depends. If I could answer it quickly, then, anyhow. Thou shalt not kill. Yeah, it's in the Ten Commandments. Which means, do not take life in an unjust manner. The unjust taking of a life. Basically murder. God says, no, 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 we don't do that. We don't do that. But at the same time, he goes on to put Israel and his people in situations where they have to be in battle and conquest, taking land and territory. What is up with all of that? that? That has bothered me for years. Does it bother you? It should. If that doesn't bother you, something's wrong with you. It's just not It just doesn't seem like, how, how do you make all that fit? Well, just hang with me for the next few moments. Let me do my best to help put this together. In ancient Bible times, I'm talking way back when. It was a very primitive culture, but not just primitive in their simple ways, as in a lack of technology. It was also a, bar- a barbaric culture. It was a mean culture, which means in that culture, it was barbaric. You either kill or be killed. That, that was the way you made it back then. You were the last one standing. There was no diplomacy. You read about no G8 summits. There's no This guy's on a chariot. He's going to go across the desert, and he's going to have a meeting with this guy, and they're going to smoke something, or they're going to write something, or they're going to dance around something, and then it's going to be like, hey, we're friends. No, it was none of that. That comes later. That came much later. In fact, the Roman Empire, that was one of their gifts to the world with all of its evils. One of their gifts was the peaceful form of Government, diplomacy, let's think about this. Now they had their faults. There's no perfect system. It's actually the system that Jesus was born into, by the way, which perfectly set the stage for him. That's a whole different story, whole different reality. But it was kill or be killed. And God always, 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 this is the principle, this is so important. God always starts where people are. When he's working with a culture, he always starts where they are and then takes them a step further to where they need to be. But he always starts with people and with a culture where they are. And you ought to be thankful for that because that means you too. That's just the way God does things. God has always worked with a culture to the degree that it has been developed. So if the culture is barbaric, that's where he has to start because that's all they know, that's all they understand. And that's the only thing that'll work back then. Yeah. Let me, let me give you a quick example. There is a phrase, actually right after God gave the Ten Commandments, in the next chapter, Exodus chapter 21, there's a phrase that all of us have come become familiar with, whether you are a Christian or not, whether you go to church or not. I mean, it's, it's, it's in poetry vernacular, it's in literature, it's been popularized and used and in so many ways throughout history, but it actually is a quote from the Bible. It's a quote from the that second covenant and the way that this life on life kind of thing is supposed to work, and it begins that way. I'm going to say the first two parts and then I want you to finish it because I know you know it. God says the way this works is that it's a life on life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. See, you know more than you think you do. It's an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I mean, how many times I hear people say it's an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Yep, that is a great way to summarize the posture of that temporary second covenant. Fast forward hundreds of years. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, quotes... Exodus 21, and he says, now remember, Jesus is bringing something new. He's bringing a new covenant. He's ending the old one and bringing a new one. And Jesus in Matthew chapter five says, you have heard the law that says, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. But I say, Jesus says. And he goes on to explain what it means to turn the other cheek instead of giving it right back to him. And then he goes on to say, love your enemies Don't kill them. Do good to them that mistreat you. Don't harm them. Leave vengeance up to the Lord. Imagine in ancient Israel on Mount Sinai, if the Ten Commandments contained this phrase, love your enemies, do good to them. And Moses came down and said, here it is. We're going to be nice to everybody. Israel would have never made it out of the desert. They would have been annihilated because nobody understood that kind of relating to one another. You got nowhere back in that barbaric culture. Now, this is hard. This is hard to swallow. This is hard for us to get our minds around. But we ought to be grateful that God has always started with culture where it was. But Jesus came to bring something new. And we'll see it in the next couple of weeks. That's just a snapshot. Jesus said, you heard it. It used to be this way. It's no longer this way. That got us to here, but it won't take us where we need to go next. Here's the new thing. And that'll take us where I want us to go next. So the question, what's with all the killing? You need to understand how Jesus changed things. Let's end with a fun one. Are all the promises in the Bible then for us? Are they all for me? Are they all for you? Right? Because there's so many promises in that second covenant. In fact, the majority of the promises in the Bible, if you look at the majority of them, they're all stacked up in that second covenant because that's such a big part of the story. All these promises that God will do this for you and God will do this for you and God will do this for you are bound up pretty much in that conditional temporary second covenant that God made between Israel and himself through Moses. So let me answer the question. Are all of the promises in the Bible for me and you today? No. See you next week. <laughs> there's more. No, they're, they're not. They're not. But that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. You see, it's so important for us to understand that all of these promises teach us something about God's character, teach us about the things that God cares about, but they're not all for me and they're not all for you. All of the promises in the Bible, even the ones in the second covenant, the old covenant, all of the promises in the Bible are true. They're just not all true for you. They're not just all true for me. You have to ask a couple questions. Who is the promise made to, and what was it about? Who is it for? What was it about? Who's it for? What was it about? Oh man, I got this promise, and man, this promise is amazing. Promise. Well, who's that promise to, and what is it about? Christians like to do this thing where they talk about, man, I'm gonna claim this promise for myself. You're gonna what? Yeah, I'm gonna claim this. Pr- okay, so let me get this right. You're gonna take something that God said to a dude 2,000 years ago that God specifically is addressing a situation in his life, which is not your situation and you didn't live back then, and you're just going to decide that God's going to make that promise that he said to him back then in that situation, he's going to make that come true for you? Yeah, I'm claiming that promise. All right, let me know how it goes. No wonder, no wonder people are so discouraged. I I, I get so frustrated. Okay, here's my little soapbox, okay? I get so frustrated, and I hear hear this happen in churches. I hear other friends of mine even Pastors, teachers, preachers stand up before crowds like this and get them all hyped up, telling them, God's going to enlarge your territory. God's going to enlarge your territory. Because God told some dude in the old covenant that he was going to enlarge his territory. And there was a specific reason for that. But everybody hears that and goes, all right, yeah, woo! Yeah, and I'm thinking, I, I, I don't have any territory. I got to get me some territory. I did I, I would want my territory enlarged, but I don't have territory, right? Yeah, what you don't understand, Pastor, what I get exactly what they're saying. They're misapplying a promise, though, into people's lives. God may have something different for you. Maybe God doesn't want you to have a large territory. Maybe he wants you to have a small territory and do something great with that. Oh, I hear this all the time. Oh, God, God's going to prosper you. Well, how do I know God's going to prosper me? Because back there in that second covenant, there was this guy and God said, I'm going to prosper you. So get ready. God's going to prosper you. And wait, wait, time out. But what about this? What about what Jesus taught and his apostles? That many times it is God's will not to prosper you, but that we suffer. about that because that promise is actually that actually comes through and out of the new covenant not the one to prosper but the ones that many times we will have to suffer and it is god will do great things in our life through suffering well i know why that didn't get taught because it doesn't sell books and doesn't make people stand up and applaud and all that kind of stuff right it's all true it's just not necessarily all true for you as we saw last week, one day God promised a 100-year-old dude that he was going to have a son. It's funny, nobody wants to claim that one. <laughs> Woo, no, don't want that one. So You can't pick and choose. They're either all for you or they're not all for you if you're going to go by that kind of thinking, right? Who's a four, what's it about? Who's a four, what's it about? Who's a for? what's it about? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, you mean there are no promises to me? Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes in the new covenant, and we're gonna see this in a couple of weeks and I'll I'll explain it then, but I'm just gonna give you a highlight now. The writer of Hebrews tells us that through the new covenant, we have more and better promises than the promises contained in the second covenant. The new one brings better promises than all those older ones you're wanting to claim that don't apply to you to begin with. The ones that actually do apply to you and do apply to me are better. Yeah. So what's all this about? What's all of this about anyway? This whole second covenant thing. One thing. One thing only. We all need a Savior. Which means we all need the Savior, specifically Jesus. That's what the whole Old Testament... that brings us to. That's what the whole second covenant brings us to. It all, as we will see next week, as we begin to introduce ourselves to what Jesus did and bringing something brand new to the world, it all points to him. Wow. All that 613 laws, all that just just reminds the world and should remind us. We need Jesus, and I don't care how long you've been following Jesus, you still need Jesus. You still need a Savior. There's not a day your feet hit the ground where you still don't need a Savior because it is still true. No amount of human effort alone, no amount of sacrificing alone, no amount of attempt to earn God's favor on our own will get the job done. The whole point of that conditional failed attempt to honor God, the whole point of the backstory, the whole point of that temporary agreement was to serve a purpose, and that's get us to Jesus, the Savior, and he's gonna bring something new. And we'll begin talking about that next week. So I'm glad to report to you in in every way because I feel it and you feel it, and the good news is, wait, there's more. And we'll get to more next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for bringing us along on this journey. My mind is spinning. There's just so much. And and that was kind of the whole point. Israel's mind was spinning. Trying to live out the realities of that second covenant. What you taught them is true for us all, even today. We need you. We need a Savior. We need saving. We need Jesus. We cannot do what he alone could do, and we are so grateful that he came to do what none of us could do, but he has done for all of us. So, Father, may we be careful not to make your word say things you never intended it to say, I was to be not so concerned with claiming things that are not supposed to be ours because what is ours is better and greater. And we look forward to seeing all that together in this series as we go through the next couple of weeks and we see the new that Jesus brought. Until then, may we stand in awe of the masterful artwork of history and how you have brought us to the point where you become the center of focal point. And may we always remember that and never forget it. In Jesus' name, amen.